Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. As I need to take a short hiatus this summer to take care of some important personal matters, I'm airing again some of our best episodes over our past seasons. These come straight out of our top 10 most listened to episodes. This week is Dark Mermaid Encounters, episode 5 from our second season. I have to admit, I'm surprised this ranks as our most popular episode. There are always episodes I expect to do better than others due mainly to the subject. But this one really took off and it just keeps going. I'm not so sure why so many people have gravitated to these scary mermaid stories, but I'm certainly happy they have. And don't worry, I'll be back in a few weeks with brand new episodes of the show, starting with a scary encounter with the Flintville monster. But for now, enjoy a replay of Dark Mermaid Encounters, right here on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. Mermaids. What does that word conjure up for you? Is it Disney's The Little Mermaid? Maybe Starbucks coffee with their iconic mermaid on the cup. Maybe the mermaid performers at a water park. Yeah, soft, warm, fluffy, all the good feelings, right? Well, you might be surprised to learn that mare beings, that's mermaids and mermen, have also been reported to be quite horrible in both appearance and conduct. Beings that can be aggressive and quite dangerous maybe even having magical powers, according to old accounts. We understand the mermaid myths and legends from the times of the ancient Greeks and Romans and stories of the singing sirens luring sailors to their doom, to the sailors of the great age of exploration, when oceans of the world were just being traveled and learned about. However, what do we really know about those legends? What about those pesky and troublesome reports of people encountering real, live, swimming mermaids and mermen? What happens when the legends leap off the dusty pages of old tomes and swim right under your boat? How safe will you feel? How certain will you be that it's just an illusion, that old legends don't really exist? Until they do. The following story came from the 1970s, and it's Jerry's story. In the early 1970s in the Caribbean, Jerry's in his motorboat not far from the shore of a local island. It's late afternoon, approaching dusk, when he dons his scuba gear for a quick dive in the warm Caribbean waters. Like most scuba divers, Jerry is level-headed, deliberate, and sober. Drinking is done after the dives when stories and camaraderie are shared, and like other divers, he does it as a group endeavor. But today, he's breaking a cardinal rule of scuba diving, one that all divers know and practice. Never dive alone. Always, always dive with a buddy. That one's going to come back to almost bite him. He drops into the water and quickly descends to the ocean floor in about 25 to 30 feet of water easily under one atmosphere of 33 feet, so airtime is only affected by how much you have. No dive tables or nitrogen level calculations needed. 
It's a safe depth. As he sightsees along the bottom, he notes the extreme clarity of the water, a condition that promotes optimum diving all over the Caribbean. He notices a movement in the distance. Jerry would later estimate it at about 50 yards or so. At first, he thinks he's seeing a shark or a dolphin around a crop of rocks. But as he looks closer, the clear water reveals to his horror a human being with a fishtail. Jerry's mind immediately makes the connection, though he struggles to grasp it. Mermaid. Suddenly, as if sensing his presence, the creature whirls about and stares directly at Jerry. Only, this is no beautiful siren of the sea. Jerry immediately notes the teeth and claws, the powerful body. However, most chilling of all, Jerry can clearly see the absolute hate on the creature's face as it looks at him. As dread and panic washes over him, he thinks, It knows I've seen it. It's not going to let me live to tell about it. He breaks for the boat, swimming as fast as he can, knowing he can't even risk looking behind him. Somehow he scampers up onto the boat, fearing the creature will still pursue him. But it does not. Still in shock, Jerry heads in at full throttle. To this day, he says, I know what I saw. He still scuba dives, but now he never does so alone. Look, I admit it, the very idea of mere beings is utterly fantastic and weird. The mare beings are creatures with the top half of a human and the bottom half of a fish. Now, that's pretty bizarre to say the least. What's interesting is just how widespread this legend is throughout the world and history. The legends of these mare beings go back a long way and they cover a lot of territory. It's impossible to trace the exact origin of the mermaid myth, but the earliest account of a mermaid-like creature likely comes from ancient Syria and the fertility goddess Atargatis, who was half woman and half fish. In Greek mythology, mermaids end up mixed with sirens, while in the 11th century, a stone carving in Durham Castle, England, has the earliest artistic depiction of a mermaid in Europe. They also appear in the works of the Roman writer Pliny the Elder, as well as in the classic story The Arabian Nights. The word mermaid comes from a compound of the Old English mare, meaning sea, and maid, meaning, of course, a young girl or woman. Therefore, any use of mare before a person or group means basically the same thing. A person or group who comes from the sea. Mermaid, merman, merbeings, merfolks. The concept of the mermaid we're most familiar with today actually originates primarily from Irish folklore and a creature called a marrow, which was first written about in the early 19th century. They have scaly, green fish tails, green hair, and pale green skin, but are also supposed to be incredibly beautiful. This, along with the enchanting music they play from the furthest steps of the ocean, is probably why young men become so enamored with them, as legends tell it, that they allow themselves to be dragged under the water to be with the mermaids. Though there is absolutely no concrete evidence of mermaids, sightings have been happening for hundreds of years and continue to happen today. In 2009, in Kiryat Yam, Israel, many people reported that they saw a mermaid on the beach performing tricks. Three years later, installation of irrigation pumps in Zimbabwe had to be halted 
because the workers claimed they were being harassed by the mermaids living there. We'll discuss those cases and others in a bit. For centuries, eyewitnesses claimed to have seen real mermaids around the world. The sightings go all the way back to the Roman Emperor Augustus in the first century BCE. Multiple artists produced images of mermaids drawn from life. Thousands of sailors bought Ginny Hanover's little mermaid-like creatures. Even Christopher Columbus argued that he saw three mermaids off the coast of Haiti. In fact, people were so willing to believe in mermaids that when sideshows began exhibiting so-called Fiji mermaids, people seemed oblivious to the fact that it was the top half of a monkey sewn onto the bottom half of a fish and mummified. When it comes to mermaid history, there is historical evidence that suggests mermaids are real. Before you doubt the evidence, keep in mind that more than 95% of the ocean has never been explored by humans. Could mermaids be hiding in the deep sea? In the first century, Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder wrote a book called Natural History that would shape European science for centuries. Now, in Natural History, Pliny wrote about half-human, half-fish creatures that he called nereids. Even though these mermaids were part human, Pliny said the portion of the body that resembles the human figure is still rough all over with scales. Of course, Pliny had not seen the nereids himself, but he provided a source for his belief that they were real. One of Emperor Augustus's military officers in France wrote that he found a pile of nereids dead upon the seashore. Though he could certainly have erred in his identifications, the emperor's officers, as a matter of course, did not lie and were sworn to the highest standards of conduct. Pliny also reported a sea man who climbed onto ships at night and could sink the ship if he stayed on board long enough. Captain John Smith, famous for settling Jamestown and his relationship with Pocahontas, allegedly sighted a mermaid in 1614. In Edward Snow's Incredible Mysteries and Legends of the Sea, the sea captain described the encounter. John Smith spotted the mermaid off the coast of Newfoundland. Smith was instantly entranced, musing that her long green hair imparted to her an original character that was by no means unattractive. The mermaid also apparently had large eyes, a finely shaped nose, and well-formed ears. As Captain Smith gazed at the mermaid, he began to fall in love with her, until he realized that she was a fish from the waist down, which definitely put a damper on his amorous feelings. Most depictions of mermaids showed them as beautiful, seductive women, drawing on the tradition of sirens who could lure sailors to their deaths. But in one 13th century Norwegian manuscript, mermen were described as monsters. The monster is tall and of great size and rises straight out of the water, the text reads. It had shoulders like a man but no hands. No one has ever observed it closely enough to determine whether its body had scales like a fish or skin like a man. The monstrous creature was also a sign of doom. Whenever the monster has shown itself, men have always been sure that a storm would follow. Many mermaid sightings involve a quick look at a distant creature, as when Columbus saw mermaids off the coast of Haiti. 
but some reported mermaid sightings include a number of eyewitnesses who weren't ocean-crazed, love-starved sailors. In 1603, a mermaid was spotted off the coast of Wales near Perdine. A farmer named Thomas Reynold first spotted the creature and he then called others over to watch the mermaid for three hours. William Sanders, also from Perdine, examined Reynold and the other witnesses. The story was credible enough that in 1604, an image was created to depict the mermaid. It described her as a monstrous fish that appeared in the form of a woman from her waist upward. Cryptozoologists Lauren Coleman and Patrick Yu note, based on early accounts and alleged sightings, mare beings have certain consistent characteristics. The marine variety have a fin-like appendage where feet would normally be. Their size is variable, ranging from dwarf to man-sized. While their bodies appear strong, they are not particularly bulky or stocky in appearance. They have smooth skin and are sometimes described as having short fur. The hair appears as a mane and their eyes are usually oval or almond-shaped, perhaps due to their watery origins. They are most notably nocturnal and their vocalization has a sing-song quality to it. The two men also note there is a freshwater variety that is quite different in appearance, ability, and demeanor than the ocean variety. Able to walk on land due to having three-toed feet versus a fish-like tail, they are more beast-like, aggressive, and hostile in nearly every circumstance. Writer and researcher Ulrich Megan noted in a 2002 issue of Strange Magazine that mare men and mermaids are still regularly seen in salt and fresh water. He further stated that while such sightings are usually ignored by cryptozoologists, the number of mere being sightings could be as high as that of various sea serpents around the world. But does science have anything to say on the subject? Well, the topic of mermaids in earnest has arisen in several instances of scientific scrutiny including a biological assessment of the unlikelihood of the supposed evolutionary biology of the mermaid on the popular marine science website Deep Sea News. Five of the primary reasons listed as to why mermaids do not fit current evolutionary understanding are the following. Thermoregulation, which requires adaptations for regulating body heat. Evolutionary mismatch. Reproductive challenges digestive differences between mammals and fish, and lack of physical evidence. Mermaids were also discussed tongue-in-cheek in a scientific article by University of Washington Emeritus Oceanographer Carl Bantz. His article was written as a parody, but mistaken as a true scientific expose by believers because it was published in a scientific journal. But let's be honest, obviously the scientific community gives mere beings no more legitimacy and possibility of existing than they do dragons, Bigfoot, Mothman, or living dinosaurs. The standard here remains the same as always, prove it. While we wincingly say we can't, we can do what we have always done with such enigmatic harbingers of strangeness. We can recount the compelling stories of those who purport to have had actual sightings and encounters with such creatures, which provides us with a wonderful conundrum. We cannot say they actually happen, but 
we also cannot say they didn't. So now we know a little about the background of mermaids and mer beings, at least from the standpoint of legends and folklore. But what happens when people actually encounter what they believe to be real mermaids and mermen? In some cases, just as with other areas of the paranormal, people may be the victim of hoaxes. There are people who have reported pulling pranks by donning tail suits and then frolicking in a lake or a nearby beach to cause a stir. And as with sailors in the past, some reports may be illusions from light on water, forming something that just isn't really there but seems real enough. And yet, there are some public and personal accounts that are compelling and point to maybe something more. In particular, the accounts taking place below the surface remove that possibility of light refractions causing illusions. A few of these stories highlight a real perceived danger in alleged encounters with mere beings. They are not happy with their encounters with humans if those reporting face-to-face -face confrontations are to be believed. We start with some well-known and, in some cases, highly publicized accounts. 1943, Kai Islands, Indonesia. The local villagers in the Kai Islands of Indonesia had a creature they were familiar with. They called it the Orang Icon, translated as man-fish. During World War II in 1943, the Japanese soldiers stationed there learned that this was no myth. These soldiers, stationed in a 555-square-mile area in the islands, had multiple claims of encounters with these manfish, or as the modern world calls them, mermen. The Japanese soldiers recorded not one but many different sightings, claiming they all saw the same thing. An amphibious creature that was mostly seen to be in the sea than on land. The marine creatures were about five and a half feet tall, having spikes on the spine, shoulders, and neck. They were said to have light pink skin, similar to salmon, and a mouth like a carp. Instead of a single tail, they had two frog-like long fins and long arms. One such sighting happened when a troop of soldiers came to a natural lagoon after leisurely exploring the island. The lagoon seemed normal until they saw some thrashing in the water. Suddenly, an orang icon jumped out of the water and onto a rock. It turned, faced the soldiers, and let out a weird, gurgling noise. Another creature of the same kind was seen swimming in the water towards them. They did not seem friendly, and not knowing the creature's intentions, the soldiers started shooting at them, but the creatures escaped and disappeared out of view. A sergeant named Taro requested the villagers to inform him if any of the Orang Icon were captured dead or alive. The soldiers summoned the general soon after, who saw these creatures with his own eyes as well. Mr. Taro tried his best to get the scientific community involved after the war, but unfortunately, it did not happen. 1967, Maine Island, British Columbia, Canada. In 1967, a ferry with tourists was astonished to spot a blonde mermaid on a beach on Maine Island in the Canadian province of British Columbia. The people who saw this marine creature said that she seemed to be eating a raw salmon fish while enjoying the waves splashing upon her. A similar mermaid spotting incident was reported that same week, although a lot of people didn't believe it was real. 
Charles White from the Undersea Gardens was desperate to prove her existence and offered a $25,000 reward for the mermaid's capture, even going as far as saying that he would offer a room for the mermaid with whatever she wanted. But nobody was able to capture or find the mermaid, and as time passed, the story died. 1998, Big Island, Hawaii. For more than 50 years, people have reported seeing a mermaid off the coast of Hawaii's Big Island in the area of Kaluakona. But the sightings were never taken seriously, until a dive boat captain finally captured a half-woman, half-fish on film. Reporter Ann Victoria wrote, Dive master Jeff Leacher, 43, photographed the creature known as the Kauai Point Mermaid on April 12, 1998, as he and six other divers were exploring the ocean bottom about 20 minutes off of Hawaii's sunny Kona coast. We were uh, on our way out to the point when a school of dolphins started following the boat, playing in our wake. Suddenly, one of the men on the port side starts yelling and pointing, said Leecher. I, I couldn't believe what I saw. There, not ten feet from the bow, was what looked like a nude woman. She had long, flowing hair and one of the most beautiful faces I've ever seen. But there's no way a human being could be swimming so fast. She was keeping right up with the dolphins. Then she leapt up into the air and my heart almost gave out on me. The entire lower half of her was covered with scales and tapered back into a huge fish tail. He stated, she jumped once more and then just disappeared under the surface. All ten people on the boat witnessed the bizarre incident, but there was another incredible surprise still ahead. Well, a, about an hour later we arrived at the point and we were diving and I was photographing some colorful fish with my underwater camera, Leecher recalled. Suddenly, I felt something brush against my right leg. She shot by me like a streak of lightning, then turned and came back past me, swimming the other way. I just aimed the camera and started snapping pictures. I kept shooting as she broke for the surface and swam away. Weekly World News had Leecher's pictures analyzed by three noted photography labs. All three said the photos were genuine and had not been tampered with. The photos of the Kauai Point Mermaid have been studied and authenticated by experts. 2005, the Caspian Sea near Iran. The Iranian newspaper Zindagi reported in April 2005 that a mermaid had been spotted by a fishing boat on the Caspian Sea. The newspaper reported the following. Ghaffar Gesanov, the captain of the Baku, a trawler registered in Azerbaijan, stated that the creature was swimming a parallel course near the boat for some time. At the beginning, he thought it was a large fish, but soon those on the boat spotted hair on the head of the monster and fins looked strange with the front part of the body being equipped with arms. Witnesses described the mare man as muscular and about five and a half feet in length. It was said to have a prominent abdomen. Its hair was flowing and green in color. Fingers appeared webbed and there were gills visible on both sides of its neck. 2009, Kiryat Haim Beach, Haifa, Israel. This huge incident had the media, the public, and the government all involved to uncover the mysterious mermaid sightings at Kiryat Haim Beach to the east of the city of Haifa, Israel. In 2009, some onlookers said there was a creature that resembled a young girl who would often be found on the beach doing tricks in the water. They kept seeing her for a number of days. 
It took a while for the news to spread and reach the general public and get the government involved. When the government did finally get involved, they issued a $1 million reward for anyone who could provide solid proof of the mermaid's existence. Capturing the mermaid was not necessary, and just a photo would suffice. When the news was out, NBC got out to do some investigation of their own with a film crew at Kiryat. They filmed morning and night, above and below the waters, hoping to get some kind of footage of the mermaid. Then late one night, the crew claimed to have seen a human figure dipping into the water. The research crew did their best to follow the mermaid and capture it on camera, but it was to no avail. The mermaid disappeared, and the crew was left without solid proof, except for some findings and shots by bystanders of the mermaid dipping into the sea. All the footage by both the crew and the bystanders were transferred to the Center for Coastal Ocean Research in Los Angeles. Michael Sack, the center's director, examined the evidence and said that although it was impossible to clearly state that the figure in the footage is a mermaid, it still remained a high possibility. The $1 million reward still stands, and tourists and locals are still on the lookout. 2012 Zimbabwe Dam In 2012, Zimbabwe Dam workers were trying to install a water pump for local agriculture. When the pumps were blocked, local workers and divers were hired to see what was blocking them. After some merging to investigate the pipes and resurfacing, these local divers and workers swore they would never return to those waters again because they had seen a mermaid. The government, not believing the workers and their claims of seeing a mermaid in the depths, hired divers and dam workers from outside. But these new people reported seeing the same thing and they too refused to go back in the water to finish the repairs. It's not just the dam and its workers. The people of that area also have no doubt about mermaids existing, and several have claimed they've seen proof, and even the mermaids themselves. To this day, the dam is still not finished. And then there are personal stories of actual encounters. Les Heisler, March 2021. Yes, in Cozumel, Mexico, during a scuba dive at about 100 feet, I saw what I believed to be a mermaid. The mermaid was only about a foot tall, and I saw her off to the side of me, but just for a few seconds. The poster sight blind on social media, 2021. I, I don't know if this counts, but when I was 11-ish, uh, a lifetime ago, really. My family went out to our first real vacation that we really ever had to a city near the beach. We had an actual hotel room, not a motel, that overlooked the ocean, and it seemed like the fanciest thing ever. When we went to the beach itself, though, uh, it was gross, and I hated it. My parents insisted on enjoying our first time at the beach to the fullest and made me and my little brother swim, even though I didn't want to. My dad threw me out into the water laughing as if we were playing at the public pool back home, but I just wanted to swim back to shore. The whole time, my brother, well, he'd been just quietly paddling in the water. Preoccupied with me, my parents didn't realize for a few minutes that he'd slipped under the surface and hadn't bobbed back up like he had before. When my mom screamed, dad and I both dove into the gray-blue coastal water to try and find him. It wasn't hard. Almost as soon as we realized he wasn't with us, he popped up a hundred feet away. He said he'd been pulled, but swam back as hard as he could. My parents laughed in relief, assuming he hit an undercurrent and joked about how strong a swimmer he was for his age, 
but I finally broke and swam straight for shore, sobbing. They decided that was enough excitement for the day, finally relented, packed up, and we all went back to the hotel. I never told them. When I dove down to look, as he broke the surface and caught our attention, I saw something in the water. I saw a hand right near his floaties, and staring at me I saw a face with sharp teeth and gray skin and bright green eyes staring at me. It smiled and then flitted away as fast as it had appeared. I've never been back to the ocean. Ryan Coleman, 2021 New Bedford, Massachusetts, Ryan Coleman says, I was born and raised in Fall River and moved to New Bedford five years ago back in 2016. I spend around 200 days on the ocean per year and I've been home only eight days in the last four months. Coleman is the deck boss and task assigner aboard the ESS Pursuit, the largest fishing boat on New Bedford's shores. His tasks include head checks, creating a daily schedule and reporting back to the captain as well as the boat's engineer tech when needed. On top of constantly making sure the fuel levels are in order, Coleman keeps track of how full the cages are where the seafood is kept after being caught. In short, he has a lot of responsibilities that he takes very seriously, and he is well thought of by the crew. One night in 2021, while at sea, Coleman states he heard screams coming from the dark waters below the ship. Being a fisherman, you're out there with the elements of the ocean, and you hear the whales, you hear the dolphins. This was nothing like anything I've ever heard before, Coleman said. Whales only come to the surface to breathe and give birth, and there was no air sound whatsoever. Whatever this was, the noise was loud and close. Coleman's sounds seem to defy explanation, although it does harken back to the mythological sirens of ancient Greece, which would lure sailors with song to rocky shores causing shipwrecks. Coleman said, I'm thankful for the experiences I've gained from fishing. I've witnessed crazy things out in the ocean, but this one, it takes the cake. Serkan Ayut, July 2021. I'm a 48-year-old male. When I was around 16 or 17 years old, my grandmother shared some of her memories with me. She told me when she was just a teenager like me in her seaside village, and I know the village, it's about one mile from the shore, Three times early in the morning, they saw a white, curly-haired girl who was sitting on the rocks by the ocean. Whenever they tried to talk with her, tried to get closer to her, she always jumped into the sea and disappeared. They never were able to talk to her and never saw her again after the three days. My grandmother was always convinced she was a mermaid child. Mare Min in Iceland, 2021 Okay, listeners. This one is definitely high on our weirdometer. On Reddit, there are several people who have claimed to have interacted with an advanced group of people who live under the sea. User Spooky Iceland and his friend went to a seaside area in his home country of Iceland. After a normal day of fun, the two decided to spend the night sleeping in the jeep. Things started to get weird when they both dreamt of being kidnapped by hideous mermen with poisonous spines. The creatures had amazing technology capable of revealing the greatest evils a person had committed. They said if the crimes were too high, they would not go home. 
Apparently, they were innocent enough, so the mirror men took them from an underwater city they took to be like Atlantis and deposited them back near their jeep. While these were only dreams, it is somewhat curious both men claim to have had the same dream. And elements of their story are eerily similar to alien abductions. Another Icelandic mermaid story, 2021. Well, believe it or not, the previous Icelandic Redditor wasn't the only one to claim to see a mermaid on the site. Apathy noted that he too saw what appeared to be a merman. Unlike the last story, however, this happened when he was fully wide awake. According to him, the merman was thin, had a human head, was covered in scales, and had heavily lidded eyes. The creature came up to look at him, then quickly dove back in the water. Others around him saw it too, and they were all sober. Apparently, none of them wanted to speak about what they witnessed after the encounter. Panic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, definitely says that no evidence of aquatic humanoids has ever been found. And some of the mermaid sightings from history can be easily explained away. Sailors might go mad after weeks or months at sea and think that they see seductive fish women calling them to shore. And we know Columbus's sightings of mermaids were really misidentified manatees. However, let's consider this. You move to a state where 71% of the state's area is contained in just one large city. And you're cut off and confined to just 5% of that city. Would you have any way of knowing what was going on in the other 95%? Well, that's what we have to consider here. The ocean covers 71% of the Earth's surface. And according to NOAA, more than 95% of the ocean has not been explored. So really, who knows what could be hiding in the depths of the sea, unseen by human eyes? Is it possible that there are mere beings lurking somewhere in the oceans? Already in the first century AD, the Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder was writing in his book Natural History about sightings of the remains of nereids and tritons, sea nymphs covered in scales and fish-tailed men. Visual representations of mermaids in medieval visual collections of beasts also offered an outlet for answers to this question. The small images introducing each section of this collection gesture to the varied ways in which we have imagined mere folk and other water beings over the centuries. A temple in Fuoka, Japan, for example, is said to house the remains of a mermaid that washed ashore in 1222. Its bones were preserved at the behest of a priest who believed the creature had come from the legendary palace of a dragon god at the bottom of the ocean. For nearly 800 years, the bones have been displayed, and water used to soak the bones was said to prevent diseases. Only a few of the bones remain now, and since they have not been scientifically tested, their true nature remains unknown. In closing, one thing I do find interesting. If you were going to make up a story, you would want it to seem plausible, right? I mean, if you were going to make up a story, it would be much easier to convince people of an encounter with Bigfoot or a UFO sighting. Why would you choose something considered so outlandish as mermaids? 
why would you stretch the boundaries of believability to the breaking point? In other words, there are more plausible candidates for a false tale or a hoax. So I find it curious and somewhat intriguing that people believe so passionately they had a mere being's sighting or encounter that they would risk ridicule. Despite that risk, they come forward with compelling stories. Those stories are not much different than other stories of the paranormal or supernatural. They tend to be circumstantial or hearsay usually. The familiar litmus test stumps us again. While they cannot prove it actually happened as they said it did, we cannot prove it didn't. Part of the attraction that keeps us telling and retelling mare folk and other water spirit stories lies in the mystery of these beings' existence. And the lasting question, are mermaids and mermen real? Mermaids may be ancient, but they are definitely with us in many forms today. Their images can be found all around us, in films, books, Disney movies, even at Starbucks, and maybe, just maybe, even in the sea waves and within the vastness of the oceans, if we look close enough. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Yes, it certainly is time for the episode quiz. But our regular listeners are going to know what I'm going to say next. Get yourself out there to the Facebook page. The Paranormal Factor Podcast Facebook page has a lot of great content for you. Every Monday we cover a monster and we call that Monster Monday. Tuesdays you get the quiz, but hey, you're not going to get the answer unless you listen to the episode. And Wednesdays we cover a paranormal film or book. Thursdays we try to give you some recent paranormal news from out there in the world. So let's get to the quiz. What was the first book to cover UFOs? Was it A, Flying Saucers Are Real, B, Project Blue Book Revealed, C, The World of UFOs, or D, The Flying Saucer? Once again, what was the first book to cover UFOs? Was it Flying Saucers Are Real, Project Blue Book Revealed, The World of UFOs, or The Flying Saucer? And the answer is D, The Flying Saucer, is the correct answer. The first book about UFOs as we know them was The Flying Saucer, a 1948 fiction novel by British former spy Bernard Newman. Here's the story summarized. Strange rockets crashed to Earth in England, the Soviet Union, and in America's New Mexico desert. The people of the world are stunned by these spaceships, but what could the cryptic symbols and maps contained in them mean? Joining forces to decipher the messages, the world's scientists reveal a terrifying threat. If the Earth does not turn over all of its gold, not nuclear weapons here, gold, Martians, yes, Martians, will annihilate the planet. To demonstrate their resolve, the aliens deploy both a representative, who unfortunately is killed upon landing, but also disturbingly unlike any human, and a bomb far more powerful than any nuclear weapon known. 
the political and military leaders of the world are shocked into an unprecedented unity. To fight this common enemy, they must resolve their planet-bound antagonisms from Cold War tensions to violent standoffs in Ireland and Palestine. But are these Martians real? Hmm, are they indeed? The first book to use the term flying saucer in its title, this novel appeared in the wake of the Roswell incident and other UFO sightings. At a time when people feared both the threat from outer space and humanity's tendency toward self-destruction. With a playful take on weighty matters, The Flying Saucer is a satisfying combination of sci-fi and thriller, witty satire, and even political commentary. Bernard Newman was a British historian and prolific author of fiction and nonfiction, an authority on espionage. He wrote spy novels under the pseudonym Don Betteridge. Now, as far as the first nonfiction book to be about UFOs, that would be Flying Saucers Are Real by Donald Kehoe in 1950. In The Rise and Decline of the First Generation UFO Contactees, A Cognitive Approach, James Lewis states, Kehoe's book, Flying Saucers Are Real, was the first influential attempt to promote the idea of flying saucers as alien spaceship. In the book, Kehoe contended the Air Force was investigating cases of close encounters with a policy of concealing their existence from the public until 1949. He stated this policy was then replaced by one of cautious progressive disclosure. Kehoe further stated that Earth had been visited by extraterrestrials for two centuries, with the frequency of these visits increasing sharply after the first atomic weapon test in 1945. Citing anecdotal evidence, he intimated the Air Force may have attained and adapted some aspect of the alien technology, its method of propulsion and perhaps its source of power. So. The next time the words flying saucers pops into your head, you can likely thank Donald Kehoe, with maybe a small assist from Steven Spielberg. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco, courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, If you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by.